Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Joe DeLeo and Ryan Roberts. Ryan is on the scene in, in, in Indianapolis for the 2023 NFL Combine. And we are recapping and reacting to the latest happenings at day one of the NFL Combine. A lot of crazy numbers. Some pretty crazy twitchy dudes amongst these defensive tackles and edges. And then we've also got the linebackers who I don't think we had as explosive as I think we were hoping for some guys, but still some some really great numbers. Ryan, how are we doing today in Indianapolis? Good, man. Good. It was, uh, Joe, I became the first in the first media group ever to be taken into oh. Lucas Oil Stadium to watch testing. It was. Yeah, I was, I saw some like angles of that and I was, that was when yeah. I texted you. I'm like, are you in the stadium? I didn't know that were. that was allowed. They changed it- that. This was the first year that it's ever been that media has ever been allowed to come into the stadium. I know they let fans in last year. They let media and fans in this year. Stupid. Gotta be honest though. They didn't really love it. <laughs> right. You're not it, close. So like you can't really see like it seemed like and, the, it was kind of far back. And you know how lame I am, right? Like I literally brought my own stopwatch with me. <laughs> so I'm oh, sitting there just going. like actually timing and you're not close enough where it's like I mean, my time was still pretty pretty spot on because I oh. have a, a track and field coach finger. But, uh-huh. yeah, man, it, it uh, well, actually wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. I actually would have probably preferred to just been in the media room or been at a bar or been in my hotel room. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I, I, I'm, I'm a pioneer, though, Joe. I'm a pioneer in pioneer. the draft space. Channeling your your inner Charles Casserly with the uh, with the stopwatch. You got yes. the, the, the glasses oh. vibes, too. Like this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan, though, we got a, a lot that we want to get to uh, in this grouping of guys that we're going to be recapping here. Uh, I, w- I want to start with the defensive lineman, the interior uh, defensive lineman. We have to start by talking about Ade Odebori, who tested with the edges, but he is very obviously going to be transitioning to the interior. Interesting that he went with the edge group, but nonetheless, he still ends up showing up with some pretty stupid numbers. Six foot two, 282, 33 and 78 inch arms so almost 34 inch arms 449 on the 40 which is nuts at 282 37 and a half inch vertical and then 10 foot 5 inch broad i think out of anybody and we could sit here and kind of just bring up some names for the, for the rest i'm not saying we're going to do it that way but that testing for him is insane and the way that he has progressed since the senior bowl his stocks really rising he is going yeah. to continue to climb. How high do we think we can go, Joe? Because I, I, I mean, late day late, two, I think is is realistic I, for him. Joe, it's pretty raw I, I have heard, and again, this is hearsay. This is just speculation. This is just people talking, and we know that it doesn't always work out the way that we hear it. But I think there's a shot he might go in the late, late stages of the first round. <laughs> really? You yeah, think after a- everything, he's good enough to go late first round? Is he good enough to go first round, late first round? No, he shouldn't no. go late first round. That's not the conversation piece, though. The conversation piece is, is that he killed, killed the interviews this week. Killed them, dude. Mm. Like, got, people love him. From a media perspective, 
from a team perspective. I know this firsthand. People love him. Then he goes and you look at him and say, okay, you're playing edge at Northwestern, which you have 34-inch arms. Like, you can get away with it and you're a freak athlete, right? Like, you can make that work. But he played for the first time ever exclusively inside almost at the Senior Bowl, looked dominant all week. Then he comes this week, and he doesn't test great. He doesn't test elite. Joe, he created a new category. He was an alien this week, man. Like, he was an absolute alien in testing. Yeah. At 282 pounds, he ran 449. That's not normal. It's not, no, there's a lot of running backs in the NFL. There's a lot of wide receivers in the NFL. There's defensive backs in the NFL that wish that they could run a 4-4-9. It's insane, man. I, I don't think people quite understand enough of like the dude's 282 pounds just ran sub 4-5. And by the way, his other testing numbers were fantastic as well. And when, it, when he benches tomorrow, I guarantee he puts up 35 plus reps. Because I walked past the dude yesterday at, at, at the – you know, at the the uh, media availability, my guy is a ball of muscle, brother. Mm. Like he is impressive, impressive young man. It looks like he didn't do any of the the agility drills, but I don't know if they, they, they do those. They, I think those. Well, they do those at the end, and then maybe they just didn't post them yet, or maybe no, he's no, there's for the pro day. There's edge numbers on here for some of the guys. So, like Lucas Van Ness, we're going to get to had a really good time uh, in the three cone drill. We'll, we'll get to that. He had a 702, 702 second for, for 270 pounds. That's that's pretty good. But dude, Adeo yeah. Debray, I I I honestly kind of see it. And I I did a quick reaction to this, talking about how we need to realize that this is an interior guy. Yeah. This isn't an edge, and he's doing this stuff. And the problems that he caused at the Senior Bowl was something that I we talked about after the Senior Bowl that he was just really low to the ground and quick and powerful. And the length is really, really enticing. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people talk very highly of Kalijah Kansi, and I'm one of those people. But I think Adebwari kind of gives a lot of those similar sense where he's so low to the ground, he is hard to, to, to contain because he is, as you said, a ball of muscle that is just very problematic. I want to dive into his film. I, I need a little bit more perspective on him to, to really properly place him. Because I don't know where I'm going to fit him in this in this class for the defensive tackle rankings. I will say though, late first round is a little rich for for my blood. I know it's. I mean, it's rich based on his Northwestern film because you've literally never seen him play interior defensive line outside of yeah. Mobile. Like you haven't seen it. But the fact of the matter is, Joe, is that he tested as a in a historical level, and we see every year that NFL scouts and evaluators. They go a little bit nutty for those guys that are historical testers, right? The guys that are just like, uh, if I'm a coach and I look at Addy Odeboire, if I'm a defensive line coach, aren't I going to talk to a scout and be like, yo, brother, you give me that kid, that kid's a pro bowler. Like, I, I can make that kid that type of player. That's where the jostling back and forth between the general manager scouting side of things and the coaching side of things, because coaches are involved in those types of things. And we know coaches are going to sit down with that kid. He's going to look at everything that he did this offseason, the intangibles and the tangible things. And he's going to say, I can bet on that kid. And that's how those types of players go in the first round. So I, I just would not be shocked, man. I just wouldn't be shocked if it happens. Yeah, no. And we do always get a guy like this every single year. So it, it's it's going to be weird to see what happens with Odebarre. And I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he just finds his way in the back end of the first round. It feels weird 
trying to talk about any of these other defensive tackles because I think that there were guys that had good days. If I were to bring up one guy in particular, I want to talk about Brian Brzee. Uh, but just just to throw out some additional guys, I thought Zach Pickens looked pretty good. He ends up running a four eight nine. Zach, Zach Pickens looks great, man. He looked great. Thirty five inch arms almost. Did you see him? Did you see him in in the wave drill where he had the back pedal and he had the change direction? Yeah, he man, smooth, man. I was like, oh, all right. I, I will never understand why Zach Pickens isn't getting more love in this class because he also was a sneaky good performer at the Senior Bowl that just didn't really get brought up because there were so many other good defensive linemen. So I like Zach Pickens. I thought he looked really, really clean in those drills for his size at 291. Keanu Benton, easy mover, another guy who almost 34-inch arms, six foot four, uh, not that fast in the 40 and not that explosive, but... Uh, to get to Brzee, who at six foot five, two ninety eight, runs a four eight six, which is a good number. I was mostly impressed, though. I think out of anyone doing the drills, he looked the most natural. He looked the most smooth, and he also looked the most powerful. The bag drills, he was popping the hell out of those bags, man. And like, I know they're bags. I don't know, man. Totally from USC, got that guy in that one one rep really badly. <laughs> the, the guy had his head up against the bag like a. Dude, Tony oh, was like haymaker, though, man. He was throwing haymakers out there. Yeah, Brzee's you gotta, a good one, where you though. are. a good one, though, Joe, because, I mean, he's such a interesting case study because he's not a clean prospect, right? And it, like, some of it's not his fault. Actually, a lot of it's not his fault. I mean, you talk about the death of his sister, obviously, right? Like, I understand a, a young man – Missing games for that, and I understand a young man head maybe not being right for a season because of that. Like that is a tragic thing he had to deal with. But he also dealt with the injury the year before, so he missed a lot of the 2021 season. You haven't seen a ton of Brian Bursey over the last two years. You just haven't seen it. But it's easy to see when you see him in person, when you see him move around, why he was a former five star, why he was a former number one overall recruit. Like it, it's very easy, man. Four eight six at two at three hundred pounds, six foot five. If we didn't have the freak show of Adi Adeboire and those dudes, you'd be like Brian Brzee's the big winner of the day for that number. Like and it's I a said crazy that. number. I yeah. said that immediately. I, I try. I did break up reactions for each position group, and just because Adeboire tested with the edges, that kind of impacted my perspective on who was the best defensive tackle. But exactly to that point, if Adi Adeboire didn't exist, if he wasn't in this yeah. draft class. Brian Brzee had the best day, and it just sucks that now immediately it's like, all right, now our attention's on this freak show of an athlete that yeah. is going to dominate the storyline, I think, for the next couple of months. He he moves differently for a guy his size. At 6'5 and a half, 300 pounds, he's 298. I'm going to give him 300. Didn't have the explosive numbers I thought he was going to have. Like his broad and his vertical yeah. weren't great. But the linear explosiveness stuff, as far as the the forty time, and Joe, I mean, I think that you hit it, you nailed it, you hit the nail on the head. In all the field positions, parts parts of the workout, Brian Brissett looks smooth, man. He looked dynamic. He looked comfortable. All those things together, man. I'm just like, yeah, you have to gamble a little bit on a Brian Brissett, but that kid has about as much upside as anybody in this class. Like he could be as good as he wants to be. And honestly, I don't say this a lot about six foot five, three hundred pound guys. I think he could play on the edge if he wanted to. Like he could be a Calais Campbell esque yeah. edge rusher if you needed him to. But he could also be a dominant three technique at the next level. I, I will also say that Brzee is one of those guys who 
I, I just don't get the over over evaluation on him. And I, I've seen some people say that they just don't think he's that disruptive. And I, I don't really agree with that. Like he's, he's not as disruptive as Jalen Carter or I mean, Kalijah Kansi too, because it's a different level of disruption because he's, he's like at everybody's waist when he's coming out of his stance. But yeah. Brzee has a role, man. He's got a role. And I think that I know that we don't really love the Duran Paynes and the Jonathan Allens of the world because of them not putting up I big do. stats. But like I they don't put them. a big stat. They don't put a big stats, but they serve a role. They certainly yeah. serve a role on an important role on a lot of defensive lines. Those guys are needed to create production for your edge rushers. Absolutely, you need a guy like Brian Brzee. He he and again, he's not the proven product this player was coming out. And he is not the floor is just not as high as what Indomitian Sue was coming out of Nebraska because you knew what Indomitian Sue was. He was the best player in college football, arguably, the last year he came out. But yeah. there is a lot of stylistic comparisons that I could make between, between Brian Bercy and Indomitian Sue. The length they have, the smoothness they have, the power they have. I think that there's some similarities there, man. So Brian Bercy... I don't know exactly where he's going to get drafted. I don't. Is Could he go in the top 10? Sure. Could he go in the top 20? Sure. Could he fall to the end of the first round because people just don't have enough film on him? It's possible as well. I mean, all those things are possible, but I think that from a upside perspective, he has about as much upside as any interior defensive lineman in the class. Now, speaking of upside, as we roll into this edge group, there is a lot of talent in this group, and we saw yeah. some pretty, pretty crazy athletes that – uh, had full testing days. I want to talk about Nolan Smith first okay. because I think there's less to talk about than I think people think because he, he didn't do anything because of the pectoral injury that he suffered. I will say, and I tweeted this, and I had some people respond, or I had one person respond to it and ask, well, what does the pectoral injury have anything to do with him testing? I suffered a pectoral injury in college, and I brought it up on this show a million times. The recovery timeline for that, depending on the severity of it, is a bitch. It sucks. Yeah. And it actually impacts your ability to move and do a lot of things more than people actually think. So for him to show up and actually do some of the testing is a positive sign. It is a positive sign that things are going well and that he should be fine. But separate from that, dude, him running a 4.39 with a 41 and a half inch vertical is pretty silly for an edge rusher. We knew that he was fast, though. Like, that's yeah. the thing is that I'm not that shocked because, like, I knew that this was going to be a linear track athlete that minus the injury, if we decide not to overanalyze the injury, should yeah. be good enough to go in the back end of the first round. He's that good of a player. Did, did you see Nolan Smith saying that he uh, wanted to run faster or something or he wasn't running hard? He, was saying, he threw his phone. I, I was like, Nolan, dude, chill out, man. Like, ch chill out. Like, I, I get it. I understand. I, 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 I get it. But, like, come on, man. You ran 439, dude. <laughs> you ran 439. At 238 pounds, like just just chill out, chill out, right? <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, Joe, he is another kid that is going to be a volatile prospect because the production was never there, and then he missed the majority of this season. So you're missing a little bit of film this year. You didn't have stellar production. But again, I mean, I talked about this with Adi Odubare. He tested at a historical level. I, I saw Daniel Jeremiah had an interesting comp. He comped him to Hassan Reddick, which I just kind of like. I think that's an interesting comp. I do. But Hassan Reddick was very productive, although he played at Temple versus Georgia. And I, I, we can have that conversation, yeah. right? 
But Nolan Smith is not a finished product. He does not have a large array of production. He was a good football player, though, for Georgia last year. He was an important football player. But I feel like now he's going to get overdrafted a little bit, just a little bit. Because is he a guy that's going to have double-digit sack seasons every single year? I don't know if that's him. I don't know. Because he isn't a fin- he's not near a finished product. And as a kid that's a fourth-year senior, like you, I would just like a guy to be a little bit more of a known commodity than what he is right now. So we'll see, man. Talented for sure. And, but he's gonna, I think he's going to get a little overdrafted based upon what he did today. I, I don't know why, but he gives me Wink Martindale vibes. Yes. And this isn't me just saying this because I'm a Giants fan. But I, I don't know why I feel like I could see him on the Giants because of what Wink Martindale looks for with his edge rushers and his linebackers. So I could see Nolan Smith in that spot. But separate from that, though, two really good performers. We've got the two Iowa guys who looked really, really good today who fit the two categories that everyone loves with edge rushers, with mm-hmm. length, and with athleticism. So Lucas Van Ness from Iowa comes in at six foot five, two seventy two. 34-inch arms, which is awesome. And then he runs the 4.58, which is very, very fast. I also highlighted that he has that 7.02 three-cone. And then in his short shuttle, he has a 4.32, which is bonkers for uh, for him coming in at 272. Will McDonald, on the, on the other hand, was at six foot four, a lot lighter at 239. Almost 35-inch arms with 34 and 78 inches, 36-inch uh, vertical with an eleven foot broad, I don't know if he did uh, the eleven foot press. Yeah, yeah it, it does not look like he did. He did Cause he, anything because he was sick. Appar- apparently, he wasn't even going to do the explosive stuff. But he was like, "I came all this way. I'm going to do something." You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, they both did the drills, and so yep. I think coupling the drills with the performance. Like I thought, both those guys were smooth. I thought mm-hmm. that for their different body types, Will McDonald's more flexible. Uh, Van Ness, who's a much bulkier, is more smooth. Both of those guys, I think, fit very different roles in the NFL, but like you really saw what makes them exciting as prospects. I think Van Ness already lives up to the hype that we thought he was. Yeah. For Will McDonald, I'd argue, man, after the way that things are going for him and getting to see him outside of that, that, that's, that weird positioning at Iowa State, he might be a mid-first-round pick. He should go, Joe, he should have he should go in the first round. He should have went in the first he should have been in the first round conversation before the senior bowl. Should have been in the first round conversation before the combine. I've been talking about him all offseason, man. I've been talking about him all season. The kid yeah. has special tra- You know what the best thing he did today was they did the bag drill. And you know, in that last bag, you turn and you just kind of, you know, go, you know, completely almost to a 180, you know, just kind of drop stopping on a dime. He has the most flexible ankles I've ever watched. I've ever evaluated of a football player, man. This kid can bend under the table, and he is an incredible mover changing the direction. Like, Will McDonald is a special, special outside track athlete. I think that he's a tremendous, tremendous athlete overall. And I was bummed that he wasn't able to do the rest because usually, usually 36-inch vertical jump, 11-foot broad, that tells me, that Will McDonald was probably going to run a stupid 40 time, man. That explosiveness translates. It does translate. So I think he probably would have ran somewhere in the four fives at his size with those types of numbers. He could have been an even bigger winner than he is, but uh, that he was the, today. But uh, regardless, man, I really think that he has a chance to go in the first round. I do. Van Ness is an interesting cat, though, Joe, because he's got the, you know, people talked about it too much and they've had him in all week. Like, 
never started a game at Iowa and Hercules. He has his eight pack and like, <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, it's all cool. He played Still hockey. Different. Yeah. Like all, all these weird backstory stuff. But I mean, you mentioned it, man, there's special traits here, but it was a diff. It was different special traits. than I thought I was going to see because on film, Lucas Van Ness is playing on the edge a ton, obviously, at Iowa, but he's also playing three-tech a lot. He's moving inside and inside and out. And I expected, based upon his film, for him to be a really explosive linear player, which he was in the 40, but his vertical wasn't great. His broad jump wasn't great. Neither of those numbers were fantastic, but then he goes there, man, and he shows that maybe he has more bends than he's going to get going to get credit for because maybe that's just not how he was used at Iowa. I mean, a 702 three cone for a 272 pound dude, that's incredible, man. Like that's a fantastic number. And you so, saw that in the drills though. Like that's the thing where, and I, don't, I feel like not enough people are talking about Van Ness after the way that he performed. And again, we're all caught up in Ade Odebori, so we're done talking about Ade Odebori on this podcast. We're done. Never again. We're never talking about him again. Obviously, we're still going to talk about him, but yes. for the rest of this show. But Van Ness, you saw that change of direction. You saw that transition ability, and another guy kind of like Brzee where hitting those bags, man, he was getting after it. He was moving so, so well. I haven't given a final grade to Van Ness just yet. But, yep. dude, I see why other people are mocking him as a top 10 pick. I just – it all really comes to fruition here. How freaking scary this edge class is, dude. We just saw Will Anderson finish up. We just saw Derek Hall do pretty well. Those are Derek just guys – Derek Hall did really well, man. He ran yeah. the four fives. <laughs> like, yeah. This class, front to back, has so much depth and also top-end talent I, you got to every team that needs just a little bit of edge help needs to draft guys day two at the very least. Just draft whoever you can touch. There is so much freaking talent. Even like a Byron Young from Tennessee, who I think is a day three football player because he's already 25 or 26. Like he's an older yeah. player. He ran <laughs> the four fours, man. Like, what are we doing, dude? This stuff is nutty, man. I mean, Joe, we're really getting into a territory now where, you know, I've, I've, I've been scouting now for you know, maybe 10 years, like, I mean, at a decently serious level and the, just the improvements and the steps that these athletes are taking from just five years ago, these, I mean, we're getting, we're getting into the realm of ungodly numbers, man. Yeah. We were literally watching linebackers run Joe and like, wow, he only ran four or five something. He didn't run that well. Like, no, he ran really well. He ran four or five something. It's just now we're seeing guys run four, three, nine, like Owen Papo. Like, it's just wild, man. It's wild. One thing I will say, though, that did become noticeable that like I thought that I had watching is that the difference in athleticism just overall, overall in each position group from edge to linebacker despite the linebackers being smaller than the edges, it's kind of funny to realize yeah. that like there's all these freaky athletes that are running all these crazy times. And then you get the linebacker. Yes, you have the Trenton Simpsons and the, the Owen Papos. But after that, it's kind of like a slower group. It's The group is not as fast as the edge rushers, which is just funny to me that their roles are different and you kind of would want more speed at linebacker, but it's not necessarily the cases we're seeing here at the, at the combine. We just see where speed goes. It goes right to edge. It doesn't even go to safety. Sometimes these days it goes right to corner and edge. These days, there's less of a focus. I think on linebacker and safety. Sometimes 
I, I mean, can I put that in the context for you, for you, Joe? I just literally just wrote an article about Isaiah Foskey, and he was another really. I mean, two hundred sixty-four pounds. He ran four five eight, right? Like he was yeah. flying and good vertical, good broad. But he ran a faster forty-yard dash than what Kyle Hamilton ran coming out last year, and he played safety. Yeah, it's what? That's what? <laughs> and Kyle Hamilton went fourteenth overall, should have went higher, and was fantastic as a rookie. And we just had a defensive end at the same school at Notre Dame come in and run a faster 40 time, despite being almost 50 pounds heavier. What are we doing, man? These defensive ends nowadays are just it's – it's unreal, man. It's unreal. No, it definitely is. But to get to the linebackers, though, yeah. Ryan, to round us out here, again, it is pretty just crazy. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see how these guys do. But to get to these linebackers – uh, they just finished up Trenton Simpson, who came in at six foot two, two hundred and thirty five pounds. He runs a four four three. Doesn't do any of the other testing. I was a, I was a big fan of the way that he looked in a lot of these throws, uh, drills. Owen Papo is the big one that I think everyone's going to be talking about. Him at six foot two twenty five on the lighter side. He runs a four three nine with a thirty five inch vertical, a ten foot six inch broad. Jack Campbell had a very well-rounded day. Not the fastest player, but yeah. for his size, he is somebody who I think is a very smooth player. Six foot five, two forty-nine, uh, with thirty-one inch arms, a uh, thirty-one seven-eighth inch arms, four six five in the forty, thirty-seven and a half inch vertical, and then a ten-eight broad. I think a lot of people would say that Jack Campbell was the most well-rounded. The way that I kind of saw this, Ryan, is that Papo was the best athlete. I thought Trenton Simpson had the best overall day of athleticism and performance in the drills. And then Jack Campbell, I think, had the most balanced overall day of every single testing thing that he did. He tested strong for his size profile and then backed it up by showing what he can do on the field with the linebacker drills. Yeah. Now, it was was very (laughs) – Owen Papo is a weird player, man. He's a weird player. I mean, because very erratic was, is the way I would put it. You you knew he was going to run fast because he's a freak yeah. show. I mean, he was another former five star, right? But you watch his film, and it's just like someone made this this uh, comparison to a different player today, and I really thought it was funny, Joe. They said that it was like he's like a dog with a laser pointer at times, where it's just like chase that red dot, chase it around, like go find it, and it's it's just <laughs> so spot on to Owen Papo. But I mean. Again, man, we're getting into territories where Trenton Simpson at four four three is an insane time. But we set our expectations so high coming in, it's like, oh, Trent Simpson might run a four three eight, but he might do it, right? Yeah. I was but, hoping I mean, he would. I, yeah, I was I mean, I was really hoping he would because I picked him in the RAS battle and I definitely won that one. Definitely won that one. By oh, Sewell, man. <laughs> he came in too light, he came in all thin, and then he runs runs a slow time, which is What did he run? What did Sewell run? Uh I just had it pulled up. I just had it pulled up. Wait, I know it was second. like a four seven two unofficial, but I didn't know if it was faster and yeah, yeah. I uh, literally just had it pulled up, man. You just, you I, just I, told, I told you he was going to come in lighter though, Joe. It was only 246, <sighs> man. But the annoying thing is he run, he's 246 and he runs a 464, which is just That's annoying. That's not bad at all, man. That's not but bad. I think if he was, I think if he was 250, I think he would have ran a similar time. If he was like 255, then I would have won the RAS thing. But I digress. What we, yes, could, yes. To continue your point. 
No, I mean, that that was the point, man, is that we're getting into the conversation now where like 4-4 athlete at linebacker is the standard, right? Like every team is trying to find, you know, although Devin Bush hasn't worked out, but they're trying to find their Devin Whites. They're trying to find their Micah Parsons. They're trying to find their Trenton Simpsons. Like they're trying to find those types of cats. And I feel like we saw a more a linebacker, I think, was pretty well balanced. Like there weren't, weren't a lot yes. of testers that were just like, Awful time, awful time, yeah. awful time. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't what we saw in the edge group. It wasn't what we saw in the defensive line group in general. I agree with that. But I saw everything I needed to see out of Trenton Simpson, man. I mean, that kid's a gifted athlete. He's explosive. Thought he looked very good. Owen Papo, I actually think, is a little bit tight as an athlete. Like, I don't think he changes direction incredibly well. But, like, the straight line explosiveness is nutty, man. Like, it's really nutty. You know who was an underrated player in the field drills part portion of it, Joe, that I didn't necessarily think tested as well as I thought? Jeremy Banks from Tennessee looks smooth yeah. in yeah. the field drills, man. Smooth. But he ran like 4-7 in the 40. I'm just like, wow, Weird. really? I didn't expect that one. But he looked really good in the field position, in my opinion. Jeremiah kept bringing him up during the field yeah. drills. I thought he looked good. I-, I wouldn't really put him on my riser list, but like I thought that like he caught my attention you know who I have to bring up that didn't test oh, no. but looked so freaking good in the drills? Oh, my, he's my favorite player. It might be my favorite player in this class, Ryan. You know who that is. Yeah. You know who I'm going to talk about. The guy uh, that you clowned on me for liking. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, here, Ivan Ryan. Pace? Ivan no, Pace. no, no, not Ivan Pace. Did he even uh, test? I don't know, dude. Did he? I don't think he did. If he didn't test, that is a huge red flag, man. Uh, Ivan Pace isn't my boy. My boy's Drew Sanders, man. He is free. Dude, why, why didn't Drew Sanders run, though? What's he hiding? What's they, he hiding? Said some, wait, they said something about like a hamstring tweak, and then he, uh, he intended to participate in all the drills, but he couldn't run. He still, he still runs, or he still does all the drills. Here's what he ends up with his testing or his, his measurables. It's six foot four, 235, 32 and one eighth in charms yep i saw him actually drills, shorter though. arms than i thought he was gonna have to be honest yeah i was shorter thinking arms. for like a for an a former edge plus yeah. Yeah. yeah but dude drew sanders man for six foot four how freaking massive this guy is he looks so fluid and i know like he didn't change direction as well as some of the other smaller guys but i think up there with jack campbell for these bulkier linebackers these yeah. more hulking presences I thought he just – he shined. Like he they're looked high, almost as cut. good as – Very high cut. Yeah. But I think that yeah. he looked cl- not the same but close to some of these smaller guys. I yeah. think that Drew Sanders, man, is somebody who deserves the attention. And I, I, I don't want to overthink him. He's long. He's athletic. He moves really freaking well. He moves so easily. I think he's going to be annoying. I think he's going to be such a monster and a nuisance for opposing offenses. I, I still have a tough time with where he's going to play, though, man. I yeah. do. I, I, Joe, I, I, we talked about this. His film grew on me, right? There was a couple games where I was like, okay, I like that a lot more. You trusted than me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Joe, I mean, I still don't know what position I'm going to play him at. Still not 100% sure. I mean, he's a Sam linebacker, and that's not that's a dying breed. I mean, that just isn't a very – You don't think you could play him at will? I don't know if I'd put him at Mike. Mike feels weird putting him at Mike. I don't like putting guys at will that I struggle with to change direction stuff, man. Like, I don't know. Like, he's high-legged. I don't know if he's going to change direction incredibly well all the time. You know? Like, that's – Usually, wills are usually your sawed-off guy. Usually, they're like six one, two thirty, right. and can run. You know what I mean? Like six I, four uh, plus guys. They're usually Mike's or Sam's. Like they're not usually. Wills. I just think that. But to your point, though, on him, 
is yeah. exactly what you're saying is that he's a he's a taller high cut guy so he, and he moves really well so he should play Sam. But as you're saying that's a dying breed. But then Mike's are a little bit more slower and bulkier which is what Jack Campbell is. Like Jack Campbell sure. is going to step right in and he's going to be a Mike at the next level and he's going to be a very good Mike. Yeah. I don't I think it's a total misuse and pigeonhole of Drew Sanders. The reason why I like throw out Sam or uh, Will is that you can at least give him a little bit more range. I understand what sure. you're talking about. I mean, yeah. could he play like a Jeremy Chin, Isaiah Simmons type role? Where I actually just, think that's the best role for him, if that's the Jeremy Chin role, that being. But what the hell do we even call that? It's a, it's a Sam linebacker. I mean, that's what it is. It's just right. He just moves hybrid around Sam? a lot. Is because, that is that how we want to talk, phrase it? A is, hybrid I, Sam. I, I, Joe, I mean, honestly, if this was the early 2000s, I would draft Drew Sanders all day in the first round because I'd be like, that's your starting Sam linebacker, and he'd come on the line of scrimmage a ton too if you wanted to, right? Like, that's that position. It's just in 2023, that position barely is on the field anymore, man. I mean, I was talking to someone earlier that told me that the Cleveland Browns were in base defense or in sub-package defense 75% of the time last year, man. They don't Sam linebackers just don't matter as much. They just don't matter. I just I think that you can find a role for a kid like this, though. And I know that's wishful I, thinking. You're you're look, he's a talented kid, and I think he'll find a role. I just personally am just having a little bit of a hard time hundred percent understanding what that role is. I'm not saying he okay. doesn't have one. I'm just that's like fair. looking at him, I'm just like, I don't know what I would hundred percent do with him. But again, Defensive coordinators have different tastes, different schemes, different opinions of how to utilize players differently. Like if he goes to a Dallas Cowboy-esque philosophy where they're like, you know, like you're going to be Mike on like first or second down, but then we're going to move you all around like a Michael Parsons does, right? I mean, like, yes, that could work. Just, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. Some old man is going to draft him and put him at Mike Linebacker and the dream will be dead and I will cry myself. (laughs) To sleep yeah. over Drew Sanders. Uh, Ryan, that's a good note to wrap us up on. We've got day two. We've got day three. We've got day four. We've got more NFL Combine coverage coming your way. Make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out. At Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft. Also, make sure you go to Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code HACK. Uh, Ryan, we're going to talk. we got to talk more about that, by the way. You have your, you have your own promo code. We're going to figure all that out. Uh, we'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with Underdog Fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple. With their easy-to-use website and mobile apps, pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA. 
uh, especially again during the off season, always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.